Men and women of the audience, my fellow rejects, today we are about to embark upon the Great Crusade, towards which we have striven for many episodes. The ears of our listeners are with us. In company with our brave cinephiles and movie freaks, we will bring about the destruction of the German war machine over the oppressed villagers of a small French town and security for us all in a free world. Our task is not an easy one. The enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, in creating an army of horrifying super zombies. He will fight savagely. But we are the rejects. Together, Ian, Forrest, and Jacob will take this movie head-on and accept nothing less than full victory. Wish us luck, and let us all beseech the blessings of the great J.J. Abrams upon this great and noble undertaking. Jacob then does the synopsis of the film of which oh, he's dreading oh, for whatever oh, reason. Is that I didn't know that that's where we were currently. I thought that we were going to do another intro thing. Anyway, um, today we're doing Overlord, obviously, and it is from 2018. Um, and <clears throat> prepare for a very horribly explained um, synopsis, but basically this movie is about a... <sighs> A small group of paratroopers whose plane was taken down um, in an attempt to take out a tower to um, help the boats uh, easily find their way to the island for D-Day. Is that... That- it was a radio tower to call in um, Nazi. Um, wow, I did it too after saying no one should say Nazi. Um, the, <laughs> um, the Luftwaffe, the German Air Force, to attack the beaches as uh, the to attack the beaches of Normandy when the Allies land on. Yeah. Okay, so their plane was taken down in the midst of a uh, battle, and um, it's a group of four guys here and there throughout, a small and group. Um, they're they're still. They, they still go on for their mission to try and uh, take out the tower. Um, but along the way, they discover some very treacherous things and experiments and... Spooky, uh, spooky, mad yeah, science. Within the underbelly of the German, not necessarily Nazis, within <laughs> underneath the German um, base that they are needing to get into. And... Uh, yeah. Things occur, great things occur, and stressful things occur. Stressful things occur, yes. But, uh, yeah, that is what the poorly explained synopsis is. No, I thought I thought that was great. That was a great synopsis, and that's exactly essentially what the film's about. So this film was directed by a man named Jules Avery. Um, this was one of the few films that he's done, which is shocking because... Full disclosure, this was my pick, and I love this film in so many ways. Um, and I'll get more into that as we go throughout the film, as we go throughout talking about this film. But this film is is amazing. Um, it was a Bad Robot and Paramount Pictures production, which was why I made the reference to J.J. Abrams because J.J. Abrams was one of the executive producers on this film. Um, there are a number of. Um, well, of course, there's a number of unknown actors, but most of these, most of the actors in this film are are very relatively well unknown. You, there's they're not in a lot of other films, which is one of the things I like about this film so much is it's not a film that you watch due to the fact that like you know Ian McKellen is in it or or Morgan Freeman or something like that. Like all of these actors and actresses are pretty small time or just not very well known. Um, so there is the 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 main character is, is played by a man called Javon Adepo. He plays um, Private Boyce. Then there is Matilda Oliver, who is play who, who plays a French uh, towns girl called Chloe, and then there's Pillow Asbeck, who is Captain Waffner, the arch nemesis in this film, and then um, there's a few others as well. But the biggest one that everyone would probably recognize is Wyatt Russell, little baby Kurt Russell, not so baby anymore, but Kurt Russell's um, son 
and he plays a character called Corporal Ford. This film had a decent-sized budget, uh, $38 million estimated, and I want to highlight estimated because uh, those that are familiar with the way that budgets work is oftentimes that doesn't include things like advertising and such as well, so in reality, the movie was probably definitely somewhere in the $40 million range, I'd say. And the reason why I bring that up is because this movie was unfortunately didn't. I don't think it made that much money, or if it did, it made very, very little. This would be considered a flop. It grossed about twenty-one million in the U.S. and cumulative worldwide, it only made about a little over forty-one million. So it, it probably made its budget back at best, which is a huge disappointment for this film. I wanted to correct you real quick. You said Wyatt Russell plays a character in here, Corporal um, Lewis Ford. Correction, he actually plays Kurt Russell in this film. <laughs> yes, that, that is a true statement. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Kurt Russell's son, Wyatt Russell, holy jeebus Christ on a cracker. This guy is the amalgamation of every single character that Kurt Russell has played. Snake Plissken, um, John Carpenter's characters, pretty much all wrapped up into one. And he does a great freaking job. Um just looking at him, his his way of expressionism, acting, his growls and grunts. This is Kurt Russell, man, and it's glorious. Keep going. That's all Keep... I wanted to say. I oh, just wanted it. to chime in and talk about Kurt Russell's son. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised. <clears throat> I so <clears throat> uh, we we all do we all take notes during the movie. And typically, I take them. I jot stuff down on my phone, and I, I, I realized about halfway through because I was just so, I was just enthralled. so into it. Yes, so enthralled, so into it. I was literally on the edge of my seat more than once, and I forgot to take notes at all, um, which should say how like it should speak to how good the movie is all the time. Like it, it is. There is never a dull moment. There, there is always something going on, whether it's, and it, and it's really surprising because it you think up to a certain like up to a pretty deep into the movie you think it's you know oh another World War Two movie and then they just they fucking clobber knock you with something else onto the side and it was it was I was very very surprised and I I love this movie along with these other two gentlemen yeah so talking about notes so i i I am a i'm an obsessive note taker i always have been my entire life and even i and i've seen this movie a number of times i i own this film and um even then i maybe took a paragraph worth of notes at most like four lines it was it's it's because there's so much this movie is just so well done and there's so many things to look at that you don't want to look away um one of the first things i want to bring up um is we're just going to kind of i'm going to kind of go chronologically through this film to start is i want to talk about uh the, the opening scene okay so so when i saw this movie for the first time with forrest in the movie theater a few years back um the first five minutes after the scene ends, which I'm going to describe in a second, I leaned over the force and I said, I don't give a fuck how the, how the rest of this movie goes. I'm sold. That was how good this movie started. So the movie starts very old timey. It starts with general Dwight Eisenhower's D-Day speech, which I butchered in my own way at the start of this episode. Um, and then it fades into these um, very, very old-timey, black-and-white, original, classic Paramount Pictures logo and everything to kind of all black-and-white and grain film. And then it slowly fades into um, the darkness of the airborne troopers on um, planes flying over the English Channel. And it's done in a way where it, like, it kind of sinks you into this world and this time period through black and white and then the color is super muted because it's dark and then it zooms in on this one airplane with the characters of this airborne squad specifically the 101st airborne screaming eagles and they're on this plane and they're basically just in their bullshit and talking about yeah yeah we're gonna take down hitler and you know one of the main characters who's the sniper he's like yeah get me close to berlin i'll take one shot and we're gonna go on home private tibet yeah um this kind of sassy New um, New Yorker accent kind of oh, asshole yeah. guy, oh, and I'm sure we'll talk more about today because he's a great character. But he is, but <laughs> but the thing that's so great about this scene is that starting off where they're like you know they're excited and they're thinking everything's great, and then everything goes to shit just like it happened in real life history. You know they they started getting flacked. You know aircraft and aircraft guns start shooting up. Everything's getting blown up. It turns into absolute chaos. 
and then it just says leading to their their plane gets hit the front end of their plane gets destroyed and like there's paratroopers getting shot up they're jumping out of planes as absolute insanity and i love that so much and the reason one of the things i really like about that is like jacob was saying this film is um it never lets up and like you've got that brief respite for the first two minutes where they're bullshitting and then the bullets start flying and it almost never stops throughout the entire movie it's relentless and um one last thing and then i'll move on about this scene that i love as well is it's very realistic because there's a lot about this movie in terms of sound and music which is great and specifically in this shot the the aircraft is so loud just like it'd be in real life is you can't hear the the characters very well they're like yelling at the top of our voices at each other and you're only catching snippets which i think immerses you in the reality of the situation so well so if you guys did not know Ian is a history major. <laughs> I studied and got my bachelor's in it, and this is exactly what I studied. Yeah, his whole house is filled with um, tanks and miniatures and all that sort of cool stuff. So we're all going to be fanboys here, Ian a little more so, and he's going to have kind of a cool take to a lot of this. But mm-hmm. starting with that first sequence in the film, holy friggin' cow, and I'm going to be saying that a lot. I'm a very huge visual and sound person. Yes. So... My favorite thing about this is that amazing fade from black and white to color. Even the color, when it finally comes through after those first few minutes, blending it so well, it's still bleached and bleak. And really, you don't see a whole lot of lighting through this whole entire film until the very end. But when they're in this this aircraft and they're trying to talk to each other and they're trying to introduce... Our, our characters for this film you can barely hear them and the foley artists must have been working so hard for this and foley artists are basically the people that make all the the sounds behind the scene they're the people crunching lettuce spines to make it sound like you're walking on snow or they're banging pots and pans to make things in the movie sound actually real these guys must have had a freaking raise or gone on and done some sort of huge film after this because the sound, whether it's music or the sound effects themselves, are beautiful. Um, and the characters, it does this really cool kind of Josh Wheaton introduction of characters where everyone is quirky quippy, yeah. and quippy and yeah. have their own kind of thing to them. And it introduces them brilliantly without going over that cliche and making it too blah. Like a film that Ian and I recently viewed and hated. The Predator, which in a previous review I said Predators, I meant to say The Predator, which did that same thing, trying to introduce these weird, wacky characters and fucking did it poorly. But, Jacob, off to you. Um, <clears throat> yeah, just a uh, si- similar thing to uh, kind of tailing on what Forrest was saying. Um, it, they, they do a good job of introducing the characters and you're, for me, I did not like every single one at first. I I did not like. Um, what was the is it character? The, the character did not. The actors did it great. No, the a, no, 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 no. The actors fantastic. I did not like the character of Tibbet at first, but and and you know and this is not this is not necessarily a a downside. But I saw his arc. Like I could I predicted what his arc was going to be. But and and actually, it's it's something I won't go deep deep into. But a lot of this movie was semi predictable. I agree. But that is sure. not. A, okay. But that but that is not a bad thing in this situation because the movie does it well. Tibbet actually has a very very nice character arc. Even if you, I saw it coming a mile away, and it, and that's fine. But it, it it played out well enough, and the everything was just so great and fantastic that the predictability did not take anything away from it because it just it executed it wonderfully yeah and and that's a great thing to bring up as well because uh, so as Forrest said I'm, I'm a big history nerd in general this was basically what i studied for and um i've watched i've watched a lot of war movies and this film is very stocky in a lot of ways involving the characters you know the the, the whole in world war ii films and you've got you know the the kind of sassy New Yorker accent, asshole kind of character and everything, you know, and you've got the rookie who tends to be the main character or like the hero of the story. Like that happens a lot in films, but 
so yes, and, and the plot is very predictable at points, but I think that's also one of the reasons why this film works so much is because it takes what you consider a cliche and it still makes it effective and makes you genuinely care about the characters. And I'm sure we'll talk about that throughout the film about the character arcs and such. But yeah, all of these characters, even though if they start out kind of stock character and also the plot goes in ways you expect, it does it so well and it's so fulfilling and it makes you care. Mm-hmm. I mean, you legitimately care and feel feel for these characters and the things they're going through and even then you don't even know that much about them which is very much a hallmark of a, of a, of a war movie in general you don't know every single little detail about the characters because it's not important it's more important about the situation they're in and how they deal with it well the two main characters Boyce and Lewis uh, Lewis Ford um, Wyatt Russell's character these guys were you could root for them they were very real if not very stocky um, just as Ian um, mentioned, and just as Jacob kind of alluded to, a lot of these characters you've seen before, you've heard from before, and it kind of goes with the film itself. There's not a whole lot that this film introduces that is novel. But the thing is, it, it takes in very small scope, and it doesn't try to overreach, it doesn't try to overstep its story in the characters that it has, and it knows what it has is good, so it stays to that central theme, and it's really hard to pick apart a film that knows what it's good at and doesn't overstep its bounds. So if you were to say this movie is a landmark and it's breaking new ground, it's not. You're 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 lying. But if you were to tell me that this movie is solid and wonderful and knows what it wants to be and knows how to do it, heckin' yeah. Super tight. Yeah, super tight production. Um <clears throat> kind of and it's a decent segue into into this. Um it like you said, the movie knows what it wants to be. It doesn't try to do too much, and that has a lot to do. And you actually brought this up to me, but I'm going to say it now. Um, <laughs> it was the the setting of it. The majority of the movie takes place in a very small location. It it takes place in a little um, in a little village, and then within the German soldier compound. Um, and you kind of we go back and forth between the two. That's where the majority of it takes place. So obviously, the beginning they crash and you know da da da. But <clears throat> but it doesn't try to overdo it. You don't. You're not going to somewhere new every five minutes because you know that could happen in more movies. They, you know, they covered a lot of ground. Make it come um, like a road trip movie almost. Trying exactly. to get to point A to point B. But they didn't do that. They and and they did a good job of like getting us familiar with the with the surroundings too you 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 got a feel for what the village was like pretty quick mm-hmm. and it made you feel for it made you feel for the people within the village and then it gave you a really good sense of what happens to those people when they get sent off to the compound like it it the film does a really good job of making you feel immersed within this little setting and I think that's probably the ben- the benefit of doing in such a small setting is that it, it helps the immersion with that. Like, it helps the immersion in that sense. Something I want to talk about is I want to advance the plot line a, a little bit just so we can kind of get more into the, the meat of the film, if you will, and jumping off of what you guys are saying. As I've said this before, um, I said this in the um, Bubba Hotep film as well, but horror movies that work really really well for me are are movies where you strip out all the horror stuff and it still works as a separate movie and this is like a class a example for me again not all horror movies but a lot of times i appreciate horror movies that are like this and in this film if you took out all of the crazy nazi experiments that they encounter and all of the you know the horror elements and you just make it a straight war film it works perfectly it's about a group of airborne survivors from a crash plane and there's only four of them of like the 30 or so in that plane their job is to take out this german radio tower so they can't phone in air support on the beaches of normandy and they have to blow up the radio tower against the full german complement it was basically looked like a platoon almost like 50 or so german soldiers against four americans and that's the movie and then along the way which kind of leading into the plot when they get there they start uncovering all this crazy shit that's going on. The, the, the French um, the French villagers are being experimented on by the Germans. They're being brought in, and they either don't come back or they just bought, bring bodies. Um, and then the horror just seeps into this film. And it's, in some ways, it's almost like Predator. If anyone's seen the original Predator, I'm not talking about the Predator 2018. I'm talking about 1987's Ian's Predator. Ian's favorite movie. Uh, 1987 is very close. 2018 is, is horrible. Moving on from that. Um, But yeah, so like Predator, for example, right? It starts off as this 
action war film, you know, and then the horror just slowly sleeps in as they start carrying the alien, right, and Predator. It's just like this in, in, in Overlord. They start seeing all this weird stuff that's going on. What the hell is going on? Next thing I know, oh my god, they're they're experimenting on the villagers and creating Nazi super zombies. Like, you know, and now we have to deal with this, even though our mission is still, we have to blow up the radio tower, and it's on a ticking clock. They have, like, three hours it was, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's great. Yeah, and talking about the clock, this film has a great sense of time. When we finally get settled in with our cast and crew into their their location that they're going to be spending a whole lot of time in, we're told that we have like three or four hours for them to do this mission. And this movie never lets up on on its intensity and what's happening. It never lets you rest. And when you finally figure out that these guys got less time than you would imagine, the film has this wonderful pacing that it almost feels like you're with them for that whole three, four hours. It doesn't feel like there's weird time skips. Like in your typical movie, it's very hard to get timing correct because it's it's very abstract. It's very nebulous. In this film, it does a great linear plane of you know when and where things happen and doesn't get screwy with the time. It's it's nice and it's wonderful and I'm going to keep saying that phrase and you're just going to have to get used to it. Uh <clears throat> another benefit to this movie would we classify this as straight up horror or because and I, i'm going to ask that question and i'm going to say this and then we can answer it afterwards because this movie basically i i felt it covered anything you would want from a movie this movie had lots of action lots of horror elements mm-hmm. it was funny it was suspenseful it was dramatic in the good in a, in a good way it was there was sad moments there was very happy like it literally covered every spectrum of a movie that you would want and it did and it blends it in super well mm-hmm. it doesn't overdo it on anything and it just i feel like it really blends in all of those things well despite it being obviously mostly a horror action I'd say action body horror would probably be the closest. Yeah, I would say this forward facing. This film is a war movie. Secondary that that action oh, to horror. Also, sure. a, also yeah. a war movie. A war movie. I feel like those are their own genre. Personally, yeah, yeah, most yeah I, I'd agree. With so that. war, you can add war movie into there too. Even though, even though this falls under the more of the like the realistic fiction of the war movies. Regardless, you it covers all of the bases that you would want from a movie. Someone. If someone watched this, they would find something that they would very much enjoy because it covers everything. And if you're a huge nerd about special effects and things like that, this film is going to blow your mind. So, Ian and I are huge lovers of anything 80s. So, practical effects, puppetry, claymation, whatever that may be. (laughs) Claymation. (laughs) (laughs) CGI is just well and fine, but as Ian has said before it is better with something rather than just by itself so this movie uses a lot of practical effects the first scene of this film when the plane is getting jacked up and fired into and half of it explodes as our main characters are still in the plane trying to jump out and you can't hear anything that they're saying there's actually people rolling into back into the front of the plane when it's on fire that is not cgi that plane was actually suspended yes. and tilted and real stuntmen were rolling into these flames. Ooh. And there's this other scene where That's cool. at first I yep. thought it was CGI. So that may speak to the actual puppetry that they used for this, but there's this one character, Chase, where he's then infected by the serum that is turning mm. people from mm-hmm. the the living or the, the dead yeah, to the so no too. longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he would he had just been shot by the that guy Waffner. by Waffner because they took him hostage. Yes, correct? which was yeah. a cool little scene when I did not see coming. So if anything, that had a nice. <laughs> you little... did not see that coming. Hey, I'm sorry. Please continue. Please continue. Let's keep you rolling. I'm sorry. Bad jokes <clears throat> aside. Okay, so I appreciate it. <laughs> the scene where uh, this character Chase basically starts turning into something and he starts freaking out. His head whips backwards and you can see his his throat and his clavicle bones just snapping. That was used with uh, or done by puppetry and animatronics, which Ooh. is super duper cool to see. There wasn't a whole lot of CGI in this film. It was very practical. So once again, it's, it's hard to pick apart this film when everything was done like a small little passion project. Yeah. 
One other thing as well, going back to what you're saying, uh, Jacob, in regards to like this movie has a little bit of everything and also talking about like that this movie never lets up in this super high tension. So in regards to the uh, super high tension never lets up is this movie also reminds me a lot of Aliens, right? I mean, Aliens is relentless and this movie is very similar in the way that it's done. And it's like the same idea. You've got this group of soldiers in a bad situation and how the hell are they going to get out of it and make mm-hmm. it work? Similar to Aliens, if you just take very basic plot points. Um, but the other thing I liked about it is, as you mentioned, comedy, mm-hmm. is this film is very smart. And when it, and, and it, it kind of lets it go as the film goes on, and it's more like, okay, we're not going to joke around anymore because now you've undiscovered all the fucked up stuff that's going on. But at the very beginning, when it's more of a straight war film, and before they've gone to the town, and they're just dealing with the fact that everyone's getting shot up and all that stuff, is they intersperse these moments of high intensity with with moments of levity where it doesn't detract from the seriousness of it, but it kind of gives you that mental moment of taking a breath. Great example. There's originally five soldiers starting out. Mm Mm-hmm. They meet up. They're like, okay, we got to get through the woods to get to the town. And they're just walking and bullshitting. And then they end up in the middle of a minefield. And one of the characters gets blown to crap and he's gone. And then it's like, holy crap. And they make it all intense. And then they're trying to find their way out of the minefield. And then the main character, Boyce, he finds his way out. And then uh, Tibbet, that we've been talking about, the sassy guy, he's like, well, what about me? Let me out too. And Ford says, take your rifle and start poking the ground, but not hard enough to trigger the landmine, but to know it's there. <laughs> and Tibbet goes, well, how am I supposed to know how hard is too hard? And Ford just looks at me and goes, you'll know. And <laughs> it just, it's, it's great. It's, the dry, it's hilarious. That's a, and I'm, that's like a dryish version of comedy too that I just love. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's that levity of something real to a very stressful situation, which allows yep. you to laugh in this situation where it kind of wants you to weep and cry. And, and it's super realistic, <laughs> yep. too, because Ford's like, how the fuck would I know? I would be dead if I knew. <laughs> you know? so. uh, another another element thrown in there is actually multiple. There's not more than just one, but multiple love stories, both platonic and non-platonic. Mm. Um and that would be from the main one of the main characters, uh, Boyce, correct? And yeah. the <clears throat> the French woman's house that they end up Chloe, yeah. Chloe that they hold up in for a good chunk of the movie. And it's it's not that part's not shoved down your throat. It's actually a very natural thing that happens. That and it just it it's very it it seems very real. Like this is a real. They they did that part very well, and like I said, they didn't shove it down your throat. It's not the main. It's not the point of the movie at all. It's just a nice little subplot that the guy who did not want to be here in the first place. He does not like war. He said he was you know he was drafted. He was mowing his lawn one day and then he got drafted. Um, but he got something really nice out of it in the end, and that feels good. And then the other. The, the non or the sorry the platonic one <laughs> I know where I, you're going I, I get the, like, no. I, no I get the, I, those words I get confused sorry yeah. um, I'm a dumb uh, but uh, is what I kind of alluded to earlier which was between Tibbet and Chloe's little brother he throughout the entire movie he's just or throughout the beginning portion of it when they first get to the house he's just like go on kid you don't know what you're, what you're doing I'm not going to throw the baseball for you uh, you know he's just but like I said, you saw it coming. You, you, you're like, his heart's going to warm up to the kid. Like, he's going to see him as a little brother at some point. And then that eventually evolves. It blossoms. And he ends up saving the kid down the line during a firefight towards the end of the movie. And that also felt, it felt real. Natural. It felt, it felt natural. It felt earned. Both of those felt earned. And it was just a very heartwarming moment in a very stressful and overall not so heartwarming movie. Yeah, speaking of stressful, that scene when they're in the house has that really wonderful introduction of another character, the Mm -hmm. SS officer, Waffner. So this guy, he's your typical, he's bad to be bad. We talk about that a whole lot on this show. But he elevates it just through his actions and his emotions and his wonderful little blurbs. There's a lot of lines in here that are very quotable. Unfortunately, yes. I don't think those quotes are really going to outlive this movie because this movie kind of faded into obscurity, which is unfortunate. Which is undeserved. Yeah, m- most certainly. And we'll probably talk about that because I think it's all in due to part of how this film was advertised. But Waffner was a great villain in this. Um, did he have a whole lot of motion to be anything but bad or um, motivation? 
no, not really, but you wanted this guy to freaking die by the end of this film. Mm -hmm. And he was intimidating. And there was this great little payoff of when he's captured, Mm -hmm. you still never ease up when he's on film. Even when you know for a fact he's not going to get away, which to a point he does, but... He is still menacing when he's tied up, which is speaks levity of that character and um, the actor. But when he's being interrogated by Wyatt Russell, who at the timing of this film had mono, Jesus Christ, still acting like that when he had mono. He lost like 25 pounds or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So when he was basically beating him up here, and I think maybe Ian's going to remember this line better than I can, but he puts on these brass knuckles and he looks down at uh, Waffner and he's getting ready for the interrogation. He's going to beat the crap out of him. Our main character, Boyce, is a little on edge about this, doesn't really want this to happen. And um, Ford basically says, I'm going to win this one. And near the end of the film... Waffner has this wonderful little line where he throws that back at him. And it's this great rivalry between these wonderfully big, stoic, hunky, two-dimensional characters. Yeah, so talking a little bit about Waffner and then also talking about the relationship between uh, Chloe and then Private Boyce as well, that I like a lot is, is again, stock characters, right? You know, Waffner is the stereotypical black leather-wearing, jack-booted Nazi SS officer, right? In like every single way. And he's very one-dimensional on that. But the things that he does that elevates that is you just despise this character. He's just a wonderfully despicable character. And what I'm talking about is Chloe and Boyce have established this relationship because they both speak the French language. Boyce is from Louisiana and he's French Creole where he got his language from. So they have this wonderful interaction where they get into the house, uh, they go into the house and all that, and they're just kind of getting to know each other. And you've got that character building moment, and then they have to run and hide in the attic because Waffner shows up, and you find out that Waffner is basically um, raping, to be totally frank, mm-hmm. raping Chloe in on a regular basis because she's the pretty girl in town. And we've mentioned before, you know, rape is, excuse me, rape is just a terrible thing to do in films. But the thing I like about that scene is it creates all this tension where it's about to happen. And then Boyce loses his cool, he blows cover, and that's how they capture Waffner. And that's great because it helps establish these characters and also it, the, 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 the characters, the, the directors of the movie know just how far to go and then say, okay, we're not showing this because that's wrong. And then they move on. Well, and it, it's kind of, <clears throat> it, it kind of goes back to, it actually goes to both of your points, but it's a little small gripe that I have. And it's one of the very few or the one of the very couple that I have, and this is the only one I feel for me is worth mentioning, unless I think of one later, but I don't think so. Um, I, I, I didn't like the way that Waffner got away. Really? I, I, Interesting. So, so I feel like, I feel like it was a, well, no, I liked, like, I didn't like the setup for how he got away. Uh, okay. I no, thought, this, yeah. I thought it was a silly choice because, you know, these guys are in very high tense situation. So, if it were me and I'm, you know, I'm no, I'm no one to be coming to on, on a war strategy or anything like that. Why would you send your least, your least prepared guy, the guy who is literally there to photograph stuff? Mm-hmm. He's the journalist, right? Yeah. Why would you send him alone to go and take a, a high ranking officer of he, he is the Waffner is obviously a Nazi can't say the rest of them are, but he is a high ranking officer of some type and you send your least prepared man by himself to go and say, okay, come on, we're going to transport you. Yeah. And you expected that to go well. That is the, because, because, and they play in these characters are all smart characters. None of them are re, none of them are dumb. So that, but that part kind of was just like, okay, I get why they did it. They needed they needed a way to show the the serum being used. They needed a way for Waffner to get away. They, it was all, it was all these things, but it was just like okay. I feel like it could have been done just a little bit better because that was just not a smart decision for me. I, I can agree with that, and I think that setup was to introduce more of the zombie supernatural. Yeah. No, I, I know this, why they did it. it. Yeah. I know why, and and I agree. And maybe. If we're diving into the bad here, which is really hard to talk about, because once again, this film was very tight in script, story, sound, pretty much anything and everything. But if I were to have any gripes, it would be the scene that you were just alluding to, where basically it was a setup 
for the character's getaway, maybe even just a setup for us to see the serum being used, mm-hmm. is this movie almost went a little too slow on the first part, and they were like, okay, this is a supernatural zombie film. We need to start introducing it now. But we still want to be subtle about it. So when they started introducing these supernatural events, maybe they just went a little too fast for me. And it didn't ruin the film for me by any means. And I still thought they did very good um, at introducing these horror supernatural elements. But that scene and another scene when Boyce is out doing patrols and he gets... Um, goaded into getting into a car to escape a dog, which then leads to him being inside the laboratory. And it goes to the scene where we go from, we know something goofy and supernatural is happening to, oh, we are seeing everything all firsthand. We kind of just blew our load in this moment. And they, they definitely earned it. But if anything, maybe they were like, oh, we got to speed it up. We got to show our supernatural elements to this film. Almost trying to speed up or catch up not quite sure if anything that was the small gripe for me yeah but nothing none of my like the gripe i made like you said it does not take away take anything away from this movie this movie is lovely it is awesome i i and i'm upset that i just recently heard about it from you guys like it actively pisses me off because i'm like (laughs) not not at you guys for like why didn't you tell me about a tuner no it's I heard literally nothing about this movie yeah. from from anything. Like, I, I watched, there's like two or three movie reviewers that I watch on a pretty regular basis, and I don't remember them talking about it, and it it makes me sad because this is such, it is such a fucking diamond in a shit pile of other movies that came out in 2018. Do you know how many fucking awful movies came out in 2018? The Predator. <laughs> exactly exactly that is Ian's a favorite movie that is a oh, prime God. example right there and it just oh it upset that uh, ah, go ahead go ahead so this film is definitely waiting in a sea of nazi horror film crap but it rises above it it's just unfortunate that no one saw this film and i think that detriment that we've alluded to a few times here was the way this film was um advertised to the audience and what this film promised so there were two main trailers to this film the first trailer i saw and immediately fell in love with it and showed it to ian this trailer was the first trailer that came out with the hell's bells acdc song it showed the war elements and the supernatural elements and basically showed what you needed to know about this film. If not, maybe give you a little too much. I'm sure that's fine, but a lot of trailers do that now. But it showed what the film was. The trailer slowly introduced these scary horror supernatural elements. While then, after that, I think the studios realized, ah, crap, no one's going to see this film. No one's buying tickets, so we need to sell this movie as something else, as a horror movie. Let's blow the load and the second trailer came out and it was just showing elements of the zombies and the spooky nature mm-hmm. and once again this film doesn't try to just be a horror film There's, it's a lot more than that mm-hmm. so it's unfortunate that I think the filmmakers didn't have th- or sorry the studios did not have confidence in this film because I think that's what made this film be such a letdown they were just relying I think on the on J.J. Abrams' name being attached to it, yeah, because that's just that's a producer. A, which, I know, but that that's still a draw. Yeah, regardless. Bad robot productions. If people Abrams, if yeah. people liked any any of the new uh, Star Trek movies, because he was attached to those. If he if they liked any of the new Star Wars movies, he was attached to those. Yeah. Like those are that J.J. Abrams' name is a draw, but you need more than that. Yeah. Cloverfield as well is another one too. Yep. Yeah. Um, so kind of talk, and we talked a little bit about this before we actually started this recording as well. I'm going to just briefly cover this because we've been talking about this as well. But I think the other problem that this film suffered from, and, and I hate to say this, and, I, and I'm not trying to diss on the average viewer, but the average viewer is not going to enjoy this film because it's not it's not a recognized name brand like Star Wars or Star Trek. It's it, it's it doesn't appeal to the wide audience, which I think is a shame, is because overall this making me a little political, but the. I feel like films nowadays are more built around catering to the highest common denominator, like the, the, the general audience rather than doing mm-hmm. something interesting and, and unique. 
And mm-hmm. and this is a film where it's an example of the latter, where it is interesting, unique, and that's why I don't think it succeeded well because most people aren't going to understand why this movie is interesting to them because it's not Iron Man or, or you know Ray mm-hmm. with Star Wars and all that stuff, which which is a problem for me because those movies are fine too, but. I would like to have interesting things at the same time. And like another movie we talked about earlier that I think falls in the same category is a movie called Dread, not 1995, but I think 2014, where both these movies fall in that category where it doesn't cater to a wide audience. Therefore, most people aren't going to be interested to see it. And I think that's that's a damn shame. It really is. And would you think if this movie was made about 20 or 30 years earlier, this would have been a huge hit? Yes, absolutely. I yep. mean, if, if if this had been done around the time of like, you know, like the thing and John, you know, when you've got the more that type of horror floating around um, with with John Carpenter and all that stuff, um, and then you've also got you know more of the big budget action movies. I think, I think it might have been a little bit more well received. I think it might it would have, have been had a three bit... remakes by now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Overlord would have had three remakes by now. Reimagining. Yeah. Now I'm sure mm-hmm. that if they'd done the '80s, it would have been way more hammy and you know muscly juiced up men and everything but um i think it would have been fine I, I think it still would have been okay it just would have been a little bit different i think you're right though i think and I, I really hate to use this but you know how people are like i was born in the wrong generation yes and this movie was released at, like i and i actually believe this it was released in the wrong generation this movie to get to get the the love and appreciation that i think it truly deserves and the money that it deserves holy shit that that is so mind-boggling that it did it, it it didn't make money or it just broke like it didn't make money. That's what pisses me off. Yeah. But this movie would have been better suited in the late nineties, early two thousands, I think. I think it would have killed killed if because people's attention spans were longer than two. Like that's the other thing nowadays. I you know, I I mean this as the as least as like unoffensive as possible but people nowadays just don't pay attention and i think kind of going back to the trailers like you said and i told this to you guys before we started recording the average person is going to tune out if they if they're not a fan of uh, war movies because that first trailer it it's much like the movie it's a slow build to getting to the the meat and potatoes of it all and if someone sees that they're like oh it's another horror movie okay or uh, sorry it's another war movie not interested and they would just click off and say fuck it yeah absolutely so i want to just bring out a couple minor th- uh, other things i like about the film that don't really fit like a category we've been talking about some of it is is my appreciation as a historian and other people that also like history stuff that i don't think are as integral to the film but i appreciate the attention to detail on stuff um so i'm going to go very quickly over this stuff but um some of the things i really like is the fact that they um when they first drop into the forest and in normandy and everything and they're regrouping with with their allies and such there's a scene where they think that they there might be enemies showing up and then they use they're basically clickers and they're called crickets back in the day and that was an identification to say hey i'm i'm a i'm an ally and then the code word they used at the time was one of the soldiers would say thunder and the other person had to respond flash if that didn't happen you're a German, I'm going to shoot you. And I liked that little bit. Um, other things, period accurate clothing, period accurate weapons and everything, I thought that was really nice because I think that's the biggest gripe for me going going, going back to detention and detail like I was talking about like in um, pure, pure luck, luck. You know, pure luck is if you're going to do something in a set, certain period, do your research for pity's sake. It's not that hard, really. Um, and this film did really well. Um, the fact that the airborne soldiers y- yelled the word Kirahi, which was an actual place that the 101st Airborne trained during the time, little minor thing. Um, but it's kind of like Kirahi is like the equivalent of like the Marines saying like Semper Fi now and stuff. And it, it's something mm-hmm. I really liked. And an actual effective use of military tactics, the way that they did things in the film was, was really, really appropriate and well done, which again continued to home in this film for me that it made it very believable because these these soldiers were like, if this was in real life, this was something that actually could have happened. And then they uncover the weird ass shit along the way. And I thought that was great. Yeah. I think that may be a good place to start with recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a couple negative things because I've only been saying good stuff. Um, I got three things again. I'm going to skip over very quickly on all these. Um, And again, this is more of a historical perspective, but as a historian, I I have to say these things. First thing that's non historical is the one thing that I did not like about this film is I despised 
the ending credits because throughout the yeah. entire film it keeps everything super impaired and accurate the way it feels and then in the ending scene it ends the ending credits with like this hip-hop rap, rap song yeah. and i'm like what? it was a me- it was a mesh they had like the the if I remember it correctly, there was like an old timey, old timey music, but then there was a guy rapping on it, and it's like, come yeah, on! Yeah, I just, I, I, I just, it, it, to me, it was kind of offensive in my opinion. But again, that's because I'm historian. Um, the other two things that I, I think were like, so the the fact that Boyce, the main character, was like we said earlier, was basically a draft. Like he got a letter in the military for the military drafting, and then he was in service three months later. Yeah, no, the Airborne didn't do that back then. I looked it up to confirm they the Airborne was an all um, volunteer organization at the time, and they went through lots of training. So that was like, okay, we need to have a character that's an experience for the movie, so we're going to do it that way. So I understand for the purposes of the movie, it didn't bar me, but from historical, I'm like, yeah, that that wouldn't happen. And then the second thing that I want to bring up, which to me, demonstrate the fact that this was obviously a 21st century film trying to portray an early 20th century thing. And not trying to be offensive or anything, but the main character, Boyce, is African-American, and there's another character that gets killed early on who's also African-American in the mixed racial squad. That didn't happen during this time. It, it didn't. It wasn't until 1946 that racial segregation was no longer allowed by President Truman. And it didn't detract from the movie at all, but then there was that little part of me where I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's not a thing. Yeah, and this mm. being stuff that no regular moviegoer would really pick exactly. up on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why I used realistic fiction because it's based oh, that's around good. it's like based that. it's based around real stuff, but there's still that fiction aspect to it. Yeah. And so. they they still did very well at portraying and not yes, making this absolutely. too uh, historical right over your head. Um, it was mm-hmm. a good midline base as far as being a war movie, horror movie, supernatural film. Absolutely. Um, if we're getting on to recommendations now, go buy this, get it, play it all the time. It is fucking good. 10 out of 10. Like, absolutely go watch this. Rent it, and then when you love it, because you're gonna, go buy it. Buy the Blu-ray Ultra HD 4K, 4K, yeah. 4K copy of it, and fucking... Uh, give this movie the recognition it deserves because I, once I get the chance, I am going to go buy it on Blu-ray because I want a physical copy yeah. of this movie because it's so good. 10 out of 10, go see it. $18 on Amazon, folks. Just do it. Yeah, if you really want to support films like this, you need to go out and buy them. I mm-hmm. would most certainly mm-hmm. recommend this film, and I hope more films like this get made. I think it's pretty obvious that everyone who's listening and my two friends here, they know that I love this film. This is easily in my top 50 favorite films. And though that may seem like a big number, I'm... Uh, there's a lot of the, film yeah, out there. Yeah, there's a lot of film out there. <laughs> a lot and, of film out there. And, but, and that means a lot because I'm very picky with the films I like for, for different reasons. But for, for what this film is, this this film is amazing. Some of the lines in this movie are great. We talked about that. Um, I'm going to win this one. They have been given a purpose. Ooh, whisper they that again, please. They have been given a purpose. That's no, Captain no, Goffner. No, that. no, elongate that last word again. Longer. And then the other one I really like too is uh, a thousand year a thousand year Reich needs thousand year soldiers. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would really recommend this film. It's definitely it's it's not a f- easy film to watch. It's not light by any means. It's right. definitely very <clears throat> gruesome and brutal. So it if you earns don't its like R that, rating. Yeah. If mm-hmm. if you're not into that kind of body horror stuff, then it's not for you. But but if you're an, an appreciation of a good film, if you're an appreciation of, of war and action, of horror, like anything like that, uh, yeah, I, I can't recommend this this movie enough. I mean, I, I was struggling to find negative things to talk about, which is why I devolved into me talking about historical inaccuracies because that, that was the best I got. That was the best I got. Yeah. All right. We're, we're getting to the tail end here. So it, Time for everybody's favorite segment, the Urban Dictionary Corner. I'm Welcome. very interested to see what you have for this. <clears throat> Me forest. too. I, I'm curious. I've got a. I got two for you guys. Woo! Oh. Yeah. Big baller. Mm, indeed. So our first one is Kurt Russell. She's seen that coming. <laughs> up. Okay. Yep. So I'm going to give you the blurb, and then I'm going to give you its tags. Okay. The tags to this, basically, what it's involving, related to. Kurt Russell, biceps, forearm, and nipple. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> the blur being, I felt that the date was taking a turn, so I gave her the Kurt Russell. <laughs> she then told me to take her home. So, what is the Kurt Russell? Once again, involving biceps, forearms, nipples. 
is it is it where you wear like a really like you you wear a shirt like that's just super small that's just showing like <laughs> Russell shirt kind mu- of thing yeah yeah but it's like even too small for like Kurt Russell and you just you see nips and and you see the biceps all the time and then he does that thing where he presses his thumbs against it and he's like chilling right there so you just see everything <laughs> and then he throws a blonde woman off a boat and she gets amnesia oh. and he goes and oh, I love that film I do too. Overboard's a great movie, but sorry. The remake, eat shit. The remake is awful, but the 80s one is good. Anyway. Generally how that kind of goes. I mean, I would guess it'd have to do with something with Escape from New York. It's been a bit since I've seen that movie, so I I, I mean, I'm, I love Kurt Russell more for the thing, and none of that applies to what we're talking <laughs> about here. So You guys keep giving these authors more credit than they're due. What it actually is, is to pinch someone's nipples using your bicep and forearm. I'm okay. so confused. God, that is such an awkward maneuver, too. You gotta like, hey, how you doing? Let me just rub my get forearm. Up business. Let me just rub my forearm on your chest real quick. Oh, and let me flex while I'm at it. Yeah, that's it. okay. All right. So, whatever floats skip, your Kurt Russell boat, I guess. Whatever floats the boat drowns the goat. Skipping on over to our second one, Saving Private Ryan. Mm, okay. Oh, oh doing boy. this for you, Ian. Alrighty. So. I'm going to do... This is a conversation. It's scripted. It's good. I like oh, it. boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so this is a phone conversation. This may be a little obvious, but I, I like this one. So, guy and a girl going back and forth on this phone conversation. Guy says, hey, babe, can I come over? Girl, I don't think it's a good time. Guy, but but I'll make it worth your while. I'll, I'll do anything. Girl, I don't know. You... Do you just want to have sex? <laughs> Guy. No, baby, no way. I wouldn't do that. I I love you. Guy's a roommate in the background. Bro, pull yourself together. You're going to regret saving Private Ryan tomorrow. That's as good as I can do as far as acting. Woo, give me that Razzie. So, can you tell me what saving Private Ryan is? Um... I couldn't tell you. I I thought this was going in like a shaving Ryan's privates kind of thing, and <laughs> this one's you a little more regret tame. saving Private Ryan later. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, okay. This one, I literally have nothing. So, a term used to specify the great lengths men will go to obtain a booty call or sexual interaction. Often, a buildup of testosterone will induce shaking, abusive aus- outbursts, outbursts, oh goodness gracious, aggression, causing the male to feel the need to satisfy his urges. In utter desperation, the male will do anything or say anything in his power to ensure his soldier gets to the front line of action rather than withering away back at home. So it's what you do when you have blue balls. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I liked it. Okay. That's it all raw in your eyes. You yeah. know what? If you folks at home want to play a fun little drinking game, anytime I stutter over your words, take a shot. We'll see where it goes. No, 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 no. We can't endorse that. Take a well, drink no, of beer. Take, no, take a drink of water. You'll get really hydrated. Mm. Anytime any of us, we're, we're all like, we all kind of go back and forth. Thank you it. for ejecting these. Oh, not eject. I always mess <laughs> this up. Why do you guys allow me to be on this show? Because you're fantastic. Because you are the creator of this show. <laughs> you are fantastic. Thank you for not ejecting the rejects. <laughs> Fuck, you did. I, I caught it. I caught the thing. Woo! Thank you for not ejecting these rejects. Bye. I love Goodbye. you all.